Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Egbert v. Boulet, certiori to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, argued March 2, 2022, and decided June 8, 2022. Respondent Robert Boulet owns a bed and breakfast, the Smuggler's Inn, in Blaine, Washington. The inn abuts the international border between Canada and the United States. Boulet at times helped federal agents identify and apprehend persons engaged in unlawful cross-border activity on or near his property. But Boulet also would provide transportation and lodging to illegal border crossers. Often, Boulet would agree to help illegal border crossers enter or exit the United States, only to later call federal agents to report the unlawful activity. In 2014, Boulet informed petitioner Eric Egbert, a U.S. Border Patrol agent that that a Turkish national arriving in Seattle by way of New York had scheduled transportation to Smugglers Inn. When Agent Egbert observed one of Boulay's vehicles returning to the inn, he suspected that the Turkish national was a passenger and followed the vehicle to the inn. On Boulay's account, Boulay asked Egbert to leave, but Egbert refused, became violent, and threw Boulay first against the vehicle and then to the ground. Egbert then checked the immigration paperwork for Boulay's guest and left after finding everything in order. The Turkish guest unlawfully entered Canada, or Canada later that evening. Boulay filed a grievance with Agent Egbert's supervisors and administrative claim with the Border Patrol pursuant to the Federal Tort Claims Act, FTCA. Egbert er- allegedly retained... Uh, Egbert allegedly retaliated against Boulay by reporting Boulay's smuggler license plate to the Washington Department of Licensing for referencing illegal activity, and by contacting the Internal Revenue Service and prompting an audit of Boulay's tax returns. Boulay's FTCA claim was ultimately denied, and Border Patrol took no action against Egbert for his use of force or alleged acts of retaliation. Boulay then sued Egbert in federal district court, alleging a Fourth Amendment violation for excessive use of force and a First Amendment violation for unlawful retaliation. Invoking Bivens versus six unknown federal narcotics agents, Boulay asked the district court to recognize a damages action for each alleged constitutional violation. The district court de- declined to extend Bivens as, a request, uh, as requested, but the Court of Appeals reversed. Um, the Supreme Court holds they're not creating new Bivens actions. That's, I'm sure, what they're going to hold when I get to the bottom here. The decision below is reversed. Justice Thomas delivered the opinion of the court in which Chief Justice Alight, uh, yeah, which a bunch of people joined in. Um, so I wrote my paper on how to get rid of qualified immunity, but uh, my one of my papers last semester. Um, if you want to hear that, Drop me an email. Um, anyway, okay. Bivens does not extend to create causes of action for Boulay's Fourth Amendment excessive force claim and First Amendment retaliation claim. In Bivens, the court held that it had authority to create a damages action against federal agents for violating the plaintiff's Fourth Amendment rights. Over the next decade, the court also fashioned new causes of action under the Fifth Amendment. See Davis versus Passerman and the Eighth Amendment... Uh, See Carlson versus Green. Since then, however, the court has come to appreciate more fully the tension between judicially created causes of action and the 
separation of legislative and judicial power. So Hernandez versus Mesa. And has declined 11 times to imply a similar cause of action for alleged constitutional violations. See, for example, Chappelle versus Wallace, Bush versus Lucas. Uh, rather than dispense with Bivens, the court now emphasizes that recognizing a Bivens cause of action is a disfavored judicial activity. That's a Ziegler versus Abbasi. The analysis of proposed Bivens claim proceeds in two steps. A court first asks whether the case presents a new Bivens context, i.e., is it meaningfully different from the three cases in which the court has impl implied a damages action? Um, that's from Ziegler. And second, even if so, do special factors indicate that the judiciary is at least arguably less equipped than Congress to weigh the costs and benefits of allowing a damages action to proceed? This two-step inquiry often resolves to a single question, whether there is any reason to think that Congress might be better equipped to create a damages remedy. Further, under the court's precedence, a court may not fashion a Bivens remedy if Congress already has provided or has authorized the executive to provide an alternative remedial structure. Um, see Ziegler. The Court of Appeals can... Uh, conceded that Boulay's Fourth Amendment claim presented a new Bivens context, but its conclusion that there was no reason to hesitate before recognizing a cause of action against Agent Egbert was incorrect for two independent reasons. First, the risk of undermining border security provides reason to hesitate before extending Bivens into this field. In uh, That's citing Hernandez. In Hernandez, the court declined to create a damages remedy for an excessive force claim against a border patrol agent because regulating the conduct of agents at the border unquestionably has national security implications. That reasoning applies with full force here. The Court of Appeals disagreed because it viewed Boulay's Fourth Amendment claim as akin to a conventional excessive force claim, as in Bivens, and less like the cross-border shooting in Hernandez but that does not bear on the relevant point. Permitting suit against a Border Patrol agent presents national security concerns that foreclose Bivens' relief. Further, the Court of Appeals' analysis betrays the pitfalls of applying the special factors analysis at too granular a level. A court should not inquire whether Bivens' relief is appropriate in light of the balance of circumstances in the particular case. It's a United States versus Stanley. Rather, it should ask more broadly whether there is any reason to think that judicial intrusion into a given field might be harmful or inappropriate. The proper inquiry here is whether a court is competent to authorize a damages action not just against Agent Egbert, but against Border Patrol agents generally. The answer is no. Second, Congress has provided alternative remedies for aggrieved parties in Boulay's position that independently foreclose a Bivens action here. By regulation, Border Patrol must investigate alleged violations and accept grievances from any persons. That's a 8 CFR section 287.10 A and B. Boulay's claim that his this regulatory grievance procedure was inadequate, but this court has never held that a Bivens alternative must afford rights such as judicial review of an adverse determination. Bivens is concerned solely with deterring the unconstitutional acts of individual officers. That's Correctional Services versus Malesko. 
And regardless, the question whether a given remedy is adequate is a legislative determination. As in Hernandez, this court has no warrant to doubt that the consideration of Boulay's grievance secured adequate deterrence and afforded Boulay an alternative remedy. There is no Bivens cause of action for Boulay's First Amendment retaliation claim. That claim presents a new Bivens context, and there are many reasons to think that Congress is better suited to authorize a damages remedy. Extending Bivens to alleged First Amendment violations would pose an acute risk that fear of personal monetary liability and harassing litigation will unduly inhibit officials in the discharge of their duties. That's Anderson versus Creighton. In light of these costs, Congress is in a better position to decide whether or not the public interest would be served by imposing a damages action. The Court of Appeals reasons for extending Bivens in this context that retaliation claims are all well established and that Boulay alleges that Agent Egbert was not carrying out official duties when the retaliation occurred lack merit. Also lacking merit is Boulay's claim that this court identified a Bivens cause of action under allegedly similar circumstances in Passman. Even assuming factual parallels, Passman carries little weight because it predates the court's current approach to implied causes of action. A plaintiff cannot justify Bivens' extension based on parallel circumstances with Bivens, Passman, or Carlson, the three cases in which the court has implied a damages action. Unless the plaintiff also satisfies the prevailing analytic framework presented by the last four decades of intervening case law. That's um, Zegler. And again, decision is reversed. Justice Thomas delivered the opinion of the court in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Alito, Kavanaugh, and Barrett joined. Justice Gorsuch filed an opinion concurring in the judgment. And Justice Sotomayor filed an opinion concurring in the judgment in part and dissenting in part in which Justice Breyer and Kagan joined. Um, yeah, my paper that I wrote was on um, getting um, local municipalities and towns to uh, waive qualified immunity for police officers, but um, doing it intelligently so that they don't blow up their budget. So if you want to hear about that, get a hold of me at roadscholar80 at gmail.com. Or um, uh, if you'd like to support me, find that PayPal link in the show notes.